Hello friends, it's great to make a return on this episode of the Climate Talk podcast. Uh, always excited to bring you new episodes on the Climate Talk podcast. So I'm wondering where are you listening from and what exactly is it like for you? Especially now that the world is getting a different vibes and then things are sort of gradually returning to normal. What is the new normal like for you? We are very excited that we can connect with our families, we can get back to work and then earn some money and, you know, pick up life from where we left it. But what are the things we will be doing differently now that we have seen and we've learned some lessons from COVID-19? And what exactly is the impact of all of this on our environment? I'm just very curious about this and I'm looking forward to research work and documents that can put forward um, some data, some statistics about the difference between the pre-COVID, uh, during COVID and the post-COVID lockdown. It will be amazing to read what all of this tells on the environment. Oh, my name is Shei Fumi. I am your green guide on this ride and it's always my pleasure to bring you different episodes of the Climate Talk podcast. If you're joining for the first time, welcome on board and where have you been? What we do on the Climate Talk podcast is to have conversations with thought leaders, politicians, policymakers, innovators and young people that are doing great stuff or whether in the advocacy space, in the policy space. We just try to have very honest and random conversations with them and we try to put into perspective what exactly does this mean for our environment? What exactly are the impacts of climate change? What practical actions are young people taking across the world? And how is this making our world a better place? This is exactly what I do on the Climate Talk podcast and it's always my pleasure to bring you all of this information. I work with my co-pilot, Jimo Oluwatobi Shegun. And Olumideidu, these two wonderful guys make it possible for you to listen to new episodes every month. The last episode was amazing. I'm still yet to get over that conversation with Ita Lakani, the focal person for the UNFCCC and the great work she's doing not just in India but across the world, coordinating young people to take a stronger drive towards protecting the environment, especially when it comes to that input in the uh, policy space. It was a really great conversation and you should check it out. The link is just going to be on the website www.climatetalkpodcast.com. You'll find the link there. Feel free to listen, share your thoughts. We'll be glad to read from you. So what are we doing on this episode of the Climate Talk Podcast? Well, my guest on this episode is Matthew. Leffler. Who is Matthew Leffler? Well, you've probably heard about the Earth Day Network, right? The Earth Day Network is 50 years old, started in 1970, and over these 50 years, they have mobilized over 1 billion individuals to do things that shows that we care about the planet. They work with over 75,000 partners across the world, including Nigeria. And my guest, Matthew Leffler, is the coordinator more like the project manager for Earth Day Africa within the Earth Day Network. Very exciting conversation I had with Matthew. We started by doing a sort of throwback into what has happened between um, 1970 
and 2020 that 50 years period what has happened over this period of time uh what's been the involvement of young people and most definitely we're talking about how covid is changing the way we do our environmental advocacy and how exactly are young people getting into the flow of, of ensuring that that message about the climate change and climate action stays out there these are the conversations i had with matthew on the show we also talked about his book and what he does when he's not doing all the earth day advocacy and you know what? We share something in common. In a bit, we'll get into the conversation, enough of the talk. But if you're yet to subscribe, please do so. Climate Talk Podcast. You'll find it on every platform where you listen to podcasts. From Spotify to iTunes to iArt Radio uh, to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. It is everywhere. Climate Talk Podcast. And the website is www.climateuppodcast.com Feel free to reach out to me if you have something you want to share with me. My email is shei at climateuppodcast.com and shei is spelled S-E-Y-I at climateuppodcast.com I'll be very happy to have these conversations with you. We get into the conversation right now, shall we? So Matthew Lifler, it's great to meet you. Hope I got the name right, Matthew Lifler. Yeah, yeah, it's great to meet you as well. Awesome. So welcome to this episode of the Climate Podcast. Thank you indeed for making out the time. I know it's been uh, lots of emails back and forth, but I'm so excited that we're eventually doing this. How would you like to introduce yourself, Matt? To start off, so um, I am the coordinator for uh, Earth Day Africa with a nonprofit called Earth Day Network. So Earth Day Network, it is um, a global nonprofit. Um, our headquarters is in Washington, D.C., but essentially what we do is we partner uh, with organizations, volunteers around the world, um, where we use Earth Day, which is April 22nd um, of every year as a platform to sort of um, share messages about the environment, uh, to run different education campaigns, and to hopefully bring out um, actual um Actionable change uh, in communities around the world, um, sort of related to climate change um, uh, and sort of environmental action. So um, what I was sort of tasked to do this year was I worked with nine different coordinators in nine different sub-Saharan countries to start sort of an Earth Day movement for the 50th anniversary of Earth Day in Africa. Awesome. So, um, I mean, I would love to start with the background. I understand that... um that day was like 50 years ago. This was also the 50th anniversary since uh, the first was in 1970 when then yep. it started it up. So what has it been like, I mean, over 50 years for an organization that has been working on these issues? For 50 years, I mean, even before uh, the last 10, 20 years when climate mm-hmm. became a conversation that the world is having, you seem to have been in that field and doing a lot of things. What has it been like? Yeah, I mean, I think what's really special about what happened this year for the 50th anniversary is we went back to the roots of Earth Day. So as you just said, you know, uh, um, 50, or, um, Earth Day is, you know, this movement that started 50 years ago, you know, on April 22nd of 1970. And if you go back to the first Earth Day, sort of the roots of it was, you know, you saw people from, you know, all different sort of realms of society. You know, you saw the working class. Um, you saw students, you saw farmers, city dwellers, the rich, the poor, or people on different sides of, um, um, of the political spectrum. They came together 
sort of to, um, you know, raise their voices about um, uh, different concerns regarding the environment. You know, if you look back in the 70s, not just in the United States, but around the world, you saw, you know, unregulated, um, um, uh, unregulated um, pollution um, that was caused by industry. You saw oil spills. You saw, you know, the loss of biodiversity and sort of our natural lands. Um, and it was affecting sort of every aspect of society and people wanted to change in streets and city centers, uh, on university campuses in particular. And, you know, they raised their concerns about the environment through, um, um, through rallies, through protests, uh, or teachings. And, you know, you really saw people come together with one common goal. I mean, this year was been a very special year, if you know what I mean. Maybe not in a good way, but it has taught us a lot of lessons about life and about the way we do things, about the way we call it business as usual. And for most of the projects that has happened, especially within the second quarter of the year, it's not been business as, as usual. And I know that that also affected the Earth Day. Uh, I was a part of the, the uh, events in Nigeria, and I saw the energy that young people brought. Even while we were in lockdown and in our respective houses, I could still see that vibes. I could still see that, you know, that sort of energy from young people sharing what they were doing, happy to connect with other young people doing stuff. So I just want to know, I mean, what made 2020 unique in the face of the lockdown? Yeah, I think it was unique because this was sort of the first big digital switch for, you know, sort of a global event. Um, and I think at first, you know, if you look pre-COVID-19, you know, there are all these plans, you know, uh, not just in the world being planned, massive cleanups that were being um, uh, prepared. We saw tons of, you know, partners, different organizations just getting ready to do different things, you know, like on the ground tree plantings or education events um, at different schools and university campuses. But, you know, obviously things, things changed quite quickly. You know, we saw lots of restrictions, uh, you know, of how people were able to interact and gather with each other. So, uh, when, you know, the whole, when COVID-19 occurred and the global pandemic, you know, it really changed the way that people were able to, you know, meet and engage and communicate. So we had to quickly sort of switch all of our efforts digitally. So what that meant was, you know, we found ways to sort of keep the engagement going despite not being able to interact face to face. And at first it was a huge challenge, you know, we saw all these things in plan sort of, you know, uh, they're up in the air or they had to be canceled or postponed. Um, uh, we saw, you know, a, you know, this, uh, this challenge is also a really unique opportunity to do something different and also to engage, engage people. Um, and I thought in a way it connected people, uh, in a closer, you know, in a closer way, uh, in the fact that, you know, we were able to, um, you know, uh, get different people from different countries to, you know, start different WhatsApp groups, uh, you know, or host different webinars on Zoom, uh, you know, engaging, you know, different stakeholders, um, you know, from different, you know, um, nonprofits or universities or, you know, government organizations um, from not only different communities, but different countries as well. So we really saw a massive shift. And I think the digital mobilization that occurred in Earth Day, uh, it, you know, though it was challenging, it proved to be quite successful. You know, we saw hundreds and thousands of different, you know, um, of different teachings in the weeks that were leading up until Earth Day, um, on, on, you know, uh, um, on, on online, 
on online programs like Zoom, as I said before, we saw huge discussions on Twitter and WhatsApp and Facebook. And it was a really unique way to get people engaged in something. Um, you know, I think, you know, with this global pandemic, you know, it's been, uh, it's led to a lot of uncertainty, but I think that this, this digital mobilization for Earth Day, it sort of brought people together to sort of talk about things like, you know, um, climate change and the environment, sort of how it relates to human health and the pandemic that uh, is occurring. And it, it was, it was really unique and uh, super successful. You know, if you look at sort of the Twitter data for Earth Day, you know, the hashtag Earth Day 2020 or hashtag Earth Day Africa, these were the number one trending things in almost every sub-Saharan country. Um, and, you know, if you look at other countries as well, you know, um, the hashtag Earth Day 2020 was one of the was one of the highest trending topics around the world on Twitter. Um, you know, just huge engagement. And it really showed, you know, how people, you know, are able to mobilize despite, you know, the social distancing and to sort of continue on with the work that they care so much about. So it was it was pretty unique and pretty special to be a part of. I mean, absolutely. I was a part of that conversation here in Nigeria both on the webinar and, of course, on Twitter. And I was yep. almost overwhelmed with the fact that there were lots and lots of pro programs also that had to shift. Like you said, there was that digital switch in almost every area of our lives. And it was sort mm -hmm. of overwhelming. So, I mean, there are days when you have like six webinars and you have to select and say, okay, which three are the yep. most important to me? Uh, which one do I just want to come in and then get out after a while? But one of the other yeah. things that I'm having is we are all hopeful that COVID-19 will stay within 19 and to, um, 2019 and 2020. We don't hope that it, it will, you know, be part of the major hindrances that we'll see in 2021 and in the years ahead. So I'm wondering, beyond 2020, how exactly, um, I mean, what exactly do you hope to achieve with Earth Day? particularly with engaging young people. I mean, we've done that for for, mm -hmm. um, for 2020, uh, which is in April. I know mm -hmm. there's the World Environment Day. There are a lot of other days that are tied to the Earth Day. Um, and of course, in the coming years, how exactly do you hope to take this conversation further and, you know, make more impact? Yeah, I think, I think this is a really important sort of question here because this, you know, I think this, really relates to you know why you know what what's the importance of earth day or what's the importance of world environment day you know why are these why are these days and movements so special and you know why are they so incredibly important i think the answer to this is you know what we've created with you know sort of this earth day network in africa and i think this goes for you know other you know, other sort of days, you know, like um, whether it be World Environment Day or World Cleanup Day, is that it provides a platform to collaborate, to tell stories, to inspire for action and to provide, you know, everyday people with a voice in order to drive change. And we think this is exactly what the 50th anniversary did was, you know, it, 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 it brought it brought um, different people together but also people that have similar mindsets around the environment and around human health and so on, you know, regardless, you know, of color, sex, country, you know, or age, you know, we saw, you know, we saw small nonprofits engage government bodies, you know, we saw students and professors and professionals, you know, they were able to come together and form these, you know, really powerful networks uh, and they co-led webinars and they started their own movements on Twitter and WhatsApp. 
Um, you know, we saw, you know, just this active network that has really formed off of this where um, people from different sectors, you know, are able to, you know, engage each other as professionals and also as friends and colleagues as well. And I think this is sort of what the future beholds is finding ways to use this network to, you know, participate things or uh, in things, you know, like World Environment Day. You know, I, I know right now one of our coordinators um, or um, actually um, a couple of our coordinators on our team here, they're also members of the Global Youth Biodiversity Network and they are really gearing up for World Environment Day and they're trying to find ways to, you know, um, use different platforms and sort of teaching ideas that we use during Earth Day um, to also do these things and sort of have these discussions on World Environment Day and sort of expand the, um, um, the existing network. And I think right now, sort of in the future, um, you know, we're seeing, you know, I mean, the biggest thing is we're trying to use these networks and use this engagement to lead to actionable change. You know, so if you look at sort of um, the post-Earth Day, we're really trying to find ways to make real change in communities. You know, I'll give you I'll give you some quick examples here of sort of things we saw post-Earth Day is, you know, if you look uh, in Tanzania, um, you know, our coordinator there and a lot of the volunteers, they made a partnership with the Tanzania Forest Service. And, you know, they're currently working on a tree plant initiative where the um, where the Tanzania Foreign Services are pledging to work with these, you know, local nonprofits and volunteers to start a um, to start uh, a tree planting initiative. Uh, if you look at Uganda, you know, a lot of our partners and volunteers there, they're trying to work with the government in order to push a climate change bill as well. Um you know, we saw these commitments sort of uh, after Earth Day from countries like Zimbabwe. Uh, so the minister of environment in Zimbabwe, you know, he sort of made this message um, on Earth Day where he called for the country and, uh, and the continent also um, um, uh, in order to make um, a recognition of Earth Day and to sort of make the promise to incorporate environmental education uh and sort of the future plans um, for the ministries of education. So you're seeing now that, you know, I, I, like I think, I think, I think the Earth Day movement, uh, it's something that's really starting to grow in Africa. And we're hoping that, you know, these bodies of different organizations and, you know, um, and, <clears throat> and volunteers are going to be able to engage, you know, government stakeholders, like I just mentioned before. And, and you know, uh, um, uh, and hopefully pass new legislation and try to get commitments, um, you know, from different um, different government offices, you know, um, whether it be foreign or uh, whether it be forest services, uh, you know, um, or, you know, uh, or the Ministry of Education and so on. Um, I think I think now, you know, you know, uh, Earth Day and sort of this network. And, you know, if we continue to use uh, movements similar, it can lead to, you know, uh, environmental legislation. Um being passed um, by these government bodies, so that's the hope. We're seeing a lot of we're seeing a lot of headway right now, but you know it, it's going to be it's going to be a process. But we really do think that we have we have just a big network of people that are motivated and um, they're engaging. You know, government stakeholders. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, it's a process, like you said, and I, I completely mm -hmm. agree with you that. That advocacy, that um, space of getting young people to, you know, do the bits they can and drive the consciousness with the environment is very important. Totally agree. But yeah. uh, like you, you raised yeah. the example of Zimbabwe, and um, here in Nigeria, for instance, we have 
the whole conversations and we include the government in the whole need for climate change and climate action and you know to become mm-hmm. environmentally responsible but i yeah. mean i'll be very honest with you it's still a challenge to see that the governments in their policies in their the way they, they distribute their fundings that they still have a very clear yeah. Um, inclusion or mindset that shows that they are climate friendly, if you know what I mean. I mean, they still yep. fund projects that, you know, threatens the old carbon footprint as, as the case may be. So what do you think yep. would be a better approach to get government? I mean, beyond the advocacy, what do you think would be a better approach that can get government to beyond words and signing documents to actually get you know, mm-hmm. to actually lead a, a, a an economy that can be environmentally friendly, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you know, I think that's, you know, it's a tough question, especially, you know, someone coming from the States here, you know, I'm not, I'm not on the ground right now. And I think, you know, our coordinators are the ones that, you know, um, probably have the best answer for that. But, you know, at least from the conversations that I've had from them, I'm sort of thinking right now, I think trying to find ways for it to be profitable for both parties and trying to find ways for, you know, the, the environment to sort of tie in with, you know, social uh, and economic growth, you know, I think sort of finding ways for there to be sort of a mutual, a mutual profit off of it. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, that's a really, that's a really tough question, um, at least for me to least for me to answer but i think i think finding you know finding a way for you know environmental environmental protection you know finding a way for it to um uh, relate to the everyday lives of people is sort of the most important thing uh you know in in order for people to you know um whether be members of the community you know or government stakeholders to buy into making these changes i think there needs to be a certain buy-in and the only way for people to buy in is if they can actually relate to it. You know, if they see, you know, if there's land that people live on that's being destroyed and they're being affected by it, you know, that's, there's going to be buy-in there. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, and one of the challenges we have is, especially among the elites, is conversations around, why should we even talk about climate change on the African continent? <laughs> I mean, we yeah. emit less than 5% of global emissions. So what's our concern about climate change? But of course, I, I strongly believe, and this has been my response to them, that we cannot be negligent. It's not a, a, a conversation about pointing fingers. It's about being responsible for a shared planet. That's how I see yeah, it. And I, I and agree. I, more people should begin to see it in that way. And that's why we have these conversations on the Climate Talk podcast. Um, but I want to know from you, Matt, when you're not adding the earth day like you're not right now, and what are the things you do for fun? What's like it? I mean, <laughs> that's a great question. I like you asked that. Um, you know, I think I love being outside. I think that's like the biggest thing for me. You know, I think it, um, you know, whether it be going for hikes with my friends, you know, or, you know, going to the forest or to the beach and going for walks, swimming. Um, I noticed one thing I do a lot now is I just get on my, my bike and I just ride, you know, it's just, it, it, it's a great way to stay healthy and just a good way to kind of get some, some mental, um, some mental clarity. You know, I try to find ways just to get away from, uh, you know, um, my phone or, you know, if I'm doing work on the computer, I, you know, if I'm done with work, I try my best to get away from the computer screen. So I think just being outside and being active and, I think that's something that I uh, I love doing.
uh, especially on my bike or, or just going for a run. Absolutely interesting. Yeah, in Nigeria, so in the evenings, I love to get on my bicycle and just cycle around. Um, awesome. And also embrace nature. I keep telling young people, like, you really cannot speak about climate change if you do not have a very personal connection with how you're mm-hmm. affected. So for me, getting to experience nature, take a walk in the park, all of these things, like you said, helps with mental health. Yeah. But also reinforces that passion and that drive of, yep. uh, of the need to conserve these resources. 100%. I think that's where, you know, I get my sort of drive to do the work I do, is just being outside and just sort of appreciating, you know, the nature that we have. And, you know, when I see when I see areas, that, you know, that I like, whether it be a forest or, you know, a river that I like to walk by or run or bike by, you know, polluted or, you know, if they're building new buildings there, you know, it's sometimes like, hey, you know, we need a, you know, uh, uh, there needs to be a voice for um, nature and the planet we live on. So I'm wondering, are you reading any book now? Is there a book you want to recommend to the listener, someone who's interested? Let me think. I'm reading a couple books right now. Um, a book I have right in front of me, it's called Can't Hurt Me. So it's a really interesting book. It's by a guy named David Goggins. And um, it's sort of a life journey of a, a, of, a, uh, of a gentleman who in his younger years was not very healthy and wasn't sort of living the life he wanted to live. And it sort of shows his um, shows his personal journey um, as he becomes a Navy SEAL. So the Navy SEALs are uh, an elite an elite combat force in the U.S. Navy in the United States, and it sh- sort of shows his journey um, into that. And then he becomes an endurance athlete, where he runs, you know, 100 kilometers at a time for races. And um, it's it's sort of all about um, you know mastering your mind uh, and defying the odds. So it's a it's the it's the book I have right in front of me right now, and then I'm currently reading. Um, awesome. And it's it's quite good. It's interesting. It's really great and exciting to have this chat with you, Matthew. Thank you so yeah, much likewise. for your time. And again, I know it's been, you know, sort of difficult trying to get a hold of you. And so I really, really do appreciate this. Yeah, thanks for getting in contact. Um, you know, I'm glad to glad to chat with you today and um and hope we can continue chatting in the future. It seems like we sort of have a similar mindset on work and um you know, I, uh, um, I know we saw a lot of engagement in Nigeria for Earth Day. A lot of our major partners are there. So I um, hope, hope we can continue, um, you know, a friendship in the future here. Definitely. You can count on me. I'm very happy to, to sustain that conversation. And who knows? I, I mean, I strongly believe that we have a lot to do, especially in guiding the people coming after us and showing them um, the right way to do things the sort of guidance that we we did not get if you know what i mean so i'm really excited to see that we can guide um more young people to see what it's been like in our time and better approach to, to getting things done That's about the size of the package on this episode of the Climate Talk Podcast. Always exciting to speak with thought leaders and very brilliant minds like Matthew and, you know, know what they're doing towards making sure that our planet is a place that is safe for us and for the unborn generation. Thank you so much, Matthew, for coming on the show. Many thanks to Olumide Idowu for doing all the behind the scenes. Also, Jim Oluwatebishegun is always behind the scene and working to ensure that we bring you new episodes. 
Thank you so much to you for listening, for taking your time to listen to this conversation. Without you, then it's pointless making a podcast like this. So many thanks to you. Please feel free to subscribe on all platforms, Climate Talk Podcast. Feel free to check out the website, www.climatetalkpodcast.com. And feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions, thoughts, comments, or things you think you want me to mention on the podcast. My email is seyi at climatetalkpodcast.com. I'll be very glad to respond and to help you in the ways that I can. Between now and when I bring the next episode of the Climate Talk Podcast, always remember that no action is too small. And you, in your little corner, you have a lot to do to make sure that you make the world a better place. Thank you so much, guys. I'll make a return on the next episode of the Climate Talk Podcast. Between now and then, promise me that you'll keep taking climate actions.